Welcome back to the uh, Moving Forward with Young Voices, a, a great segment if you really want to find out what millennials think. And I tell you, every time I have the uh, privilege of hosting this segment, I leave the hour uh, feeling a bit inspired and a bit nervous. And it's because you realize that millennials look at the world differently, even if they're conservative. They look at the world differently than a conservative like myself. And if they look at it liberally, wow, it's like bat crap crazy. But I mean, they they just look at the world differently. This next segment, we have uh, Jacob James Rich uh, on with us. Hey, Jacob, where are you calling in from today? Calling in from uh, right by Cory, Pennsylvania, Gio's, uh, Gio's Barbecue. I'm actually driving back to Washington, D.C. to watch the riots from my rooftop. <laughs> Well, if you're much closer to Philadelphia, if you just want to stop by, we can watch them together here in Philly. Good idea. And do we have a Nate Hockman? Nate, where are you calling in from? Uh, currently calling in from Colorado Springs uh, College Campus uh, in, in Colorado. Okay, great. Hey, you know, and I, and I want to preface this segment by saying, you know, if you watch uh, Fox News, you'll see somebody from the right and somebody from the left, and you really don't know if they believe what they're saying or they're just saying it because, you know, they're the designated Republican or they're the designated Democrat. What I really like about this next segment is that uh, both Jacob and Nate, you know, Jacob's going to tell us why. He thinks Trump's going to win today, and Nate is taking the position on why he feels Trump is going to lose. But what I really like about this segment and what makes it completely different from anything else you'll hear is that they've looked at the facts and the evidence for themselves, and this is the conclusion that they've come to. And I think that takes a lot of guts today. Usually people say, well, you know, I'm the designated guy on the right. I'm the designated gal on the left. You're not going to find that here. You're going to find two people who have looked at the evidence and say, this is what I think. So, Jacob, let's start with you because you're taking the position you think Trump's going to win despite all the polling, despite all the information that's out there saying he, he's not going to be able to turn the corner. Give me the, the top two reasons why you think. Trump is going to pull this out uh, in this election? Well, the top reason is because of how polling works. There's two different, two, two different ways polls works. Either you just create a poll to try to figure out what a percentage is at a given time, or you have a structured poll that is consistent over time. And all of the polls we're looking at have kind of been created out of the blue. Not that their methods are necessarily wrong, but they kind of defeat the purpose of what polls are. It's incredibly difficult to figure out actual percentages from a poll. The best thing polls are for are finding changes over time because the percentages are, are usually not that uh, accurate. And when I look at polls that measure consistently over time, such as Republican and Democratic approval by Gallup, then I've actually seen much more reasonable estimates that show that Trump might have the advantage. There was giant Democratic approval when, uh, when uh, Trump beat Hillary Clinton, and there actually tends to be more Democratic approval among registered voters at all times. But now that we're in 2020, Trump has actually closed that Democratic approval in that Gallup poll. And since I can look at these historical est estimates and actually 
compare them and figure out what the differences were back in 2016, back in 2012, and see that the Republicans have gained ground on the Democrats, I think Trump has a good chance of actually winning more electoral votes than he did previously. I think Minnesota is actually on the table this time. I think New Hampshire is on the table this time. And uh, we'll probably find out uh, at the end of the week or at the end of next week if he wins or not. Hey, Jacob, let me start uh, the same question with you. I I think that's a pretty persuasive case uh, by Jacob. But, Nate, let me ask you, you've looked at the the data and you have the polling uh, that supports your position. You've taken the position that you don't think Trump's going to be able to pull it out this uh, this year. Again, what what's the biggest reason or the top two reasons why you've come to that conclusion? Yeah, you know, I I don't think so, and I'm you know, obviously prepared to be proved wrong um, because I you know it's it's very unpredictable, and we don't know exactly how things are going to turn out until they do. Uh, what I would say in response to to Jacob about the polls is the polls could absolutely be wrong, but there's an assumption that if they're wrong, they're going to be wrong in Biden's favor. But that's not always the case. You know, in 2012, the polls undercounted Democratic votes and Barack Obama won by a larger margin than he was expected to. So the fact, you know, a lot of folks who are arguing that Trump could pull it out are pointing to the fact that the polls might be wrong, but they could be wrong in a way that actually undercounts Biden voters and Biden could win by a larger margin. There's nothing set in stone to say that if the polls are wrong, they're automatically going to be wrong one direction or another. So there's a variety of different reasons to think that, you know, Biden is going to be uh, the winner on on Election Day, Um, you know, for the various reasons that have to do with Hillary Clinton being a uniquely disliked candidate um, for, you know, Joe Biden having a broader appeal with different demographics, et cetera, et cetera. But Really, if we're talking just about the polls and analyzing that question, um, I'm not convinced by the argument that the polls are wrong because that doesn't tell us which direction that they're wrong in. Well, Nate, let me ask you this because Jacob's probably dying to ask you the same question, so I'll ask it to (laughs) both of you. Uh, But let's start, Nate. You give the first response. This whole idea of the shy Trump voter, right? I mean, I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. It is a town where we don't put out, you know, a Trump sign in front of our yard because of just what's happening in in the suburbs. I mean, so this notion that people aren't and look, I, I just watched another video today. A guy's walking down the street, he's carrying a Trump flag and a Trump hat. Out of the blue, two people not jump him like in the sense they're going to beat him up, but they jump him and they steal his stuff. So do you give, and let's start with Nathan and Jacob, is there any validity to this notion that the polling data is off because there's a lot of Trump voters that just aren't going to answer the phone and and give a, a truthful response? Nate? Well, it's certainly a factor. The question is how much of a factor it is. So, um, you know, the the shy Trump voter we know in 2016 was a factor, and you know, it it, it could have made up a, a couple of percentage points. But if you look at Biden's lead right now, there are not seven, eight percent of of the electorate that is a shy Trump voter. That's just really difficult to believe. Um, and then the other question, of course, is while a shy Trump voter is certainly a factor. You know, there's no discussion of the possibility of a shy Biden voter, right? Just as it's really unpopular to be a shy Trump voter in blue areas, you know, in deep red areas where, uh, you know, there's a lot of support for the president, there could very well be folks who are, you know, really exasperated with him for the last four years who are voting Biden and haven't, you know, are, are, are 
unwilling to talk about it publicly. So it's certainly a factor. The idea that it's going to make up this huge gap in the polls, though, is, again, something that I just have a lot of trouble believing. Okay, Jacob, let's uh, take that. Run with it. Tell me what you think. Well, it's actually those giant gaps that make me so skeptical of the polls. You know, a bunch of people on Twitter, a bunch of my very good friends who are statisticians are tweeting at me. They're like, Jake, how could the polls be twice as wrong as they were in 2016? (laughs) And I'm saying, well, how... How is it possible that a state that Trump has won how ha- now has an eight or nine point lead for Biden? That just strikes me as absurd. And, you know, all, most of these polls, after they were wrong in 2016, made major adjustments. And I guess I'm just on the side that these major adjustments are actually undermining their accuracy. The states that are supposed to now be in Biden's favor by eight or nine points that Trump won. I, I, I don't know. I think I think that's very difficult. to ha- I, I, I think that's very unlikely to happen because he's an incumbent. I think we're all forgetting the first rule of politics is that the incumbent always has the advantage. And when you just see such a disproportionate lead for Biden, that just makes me skeptical of all the analysis that's going into it. And honestly, the majority of these polls are actually just sourced from a couple locations, like The Economist and uh, Nate, Silver's, Nate Silver's 538 are cited all over the place. You know, I really like those polls because every time I see those polls, I know that's exactly what's not going to happen in the race. They're basically always wrong. So yeah, um, the polls that are separate from that also t- t- uh, tend to be leaning towards Biden. But I don't know. It's just there's such a disproportionate lead for Biden that I'm just now questioning the entire methodology. You know, I I will say this. What was it? A a gentleman in uh, Great Britain who made the five million dollar bet last night, uh, uh, the wager. So here's a guy who walks in and puts five million dollars. If he's right and Trump wins, he gets 15 million dollar walkaway money. Apparently he's a billionaire and this is, you know, chump change to him. But uh, what do you guys think about that? Because I'm always a believer in follow the money. And in 2016, uh, when you looked at these uh, betting polling, you know, uh, where you place bets on who you think is going to win, Trump was up in that, even though he was down in the official polls. This year in 2020, Biden is winning the, uh, you know, put your vote where your money is. Which I think is is more valid because you're you're betting your money. When we come back after this break, let's pick it up there. Any chance that national polls are wrong, but the the people who are voting uh, with their money uh, could be right? We'll be back on the uh, moving forward with Young Voices program here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. 
Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc., 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation, Maryland DM 1492, Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation, Commission License Number DC 83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. Hey, welcome back to uh, Moving Forward with Young Voices. Uh, happy to have on uh, Jacob James Rich, who's taking uh, explaining why he thinks Donald Trump <clears throat> is going to win uh, Election Day or the election. And we have Nate Hockman, who's uh, who believes that uh, Joe Biden uh, is going to walk away with the uh, presidency after all the votes are in. Uh, before we went on break, I just raised the the question of. Uh, the betting markets, are they doing a better job than the polling markets? And uh, during the break, guys, I shared this one poll with you over in Europe. Uh, it shows Joe Biden with a 66% chance of winning and Donald Trump 33%. And like I said, it, these are just people, right? They're like you and me who they they read the data that's available. They look at all the information and they lay down the money. Now, the guy who bet the five million dollars. He said that he was privy to uh, Trump campaign polling data uh, that most people aren't, and that's what caused him to lay down the money. But in a general sense, it's there are people just like us who say, you know, based on what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling, this is where I'm going. 
Jacob, let's start with you. These numbers, they mean anything to you or they're just as askew as the polling data? Well, they're obviously not as skewed as the polling data because the polling data is showing about a 90% chance victory for Biden and the polls are showing about a 63% chance of for Biden winning. So I'd say they're more reasonable, but then again, I'm on the side that Trump's going to win. So I think they're both actually absurd. And even though gamblers and um, betting markets tend to be more accurate than other popular prediction methods, people who gamble tend to be poor because let's face it, they gamble their money and they tend they are wrong often enough that they just lose it. So I don't think it's actually, uh, it's, how would you put it? It's not the universal statement to say that something is going to happen because polls are leaning that way. I'm sorry, this is because the markets are leaning that way. But they do seem to be more accurate than the polls because a 90% chance of Biden winning that 538 is putting up at the moment, that's absolutely absurd. Um, I, I, I have to actually question all of Nate Silver's methodology for him to be that confident for that type of a win. I think hey, it's Nate, let's ridiculous. go to you. What do you think about the uh, betting market? You know, I, I guess I have to defend the polls a little bit to Jacob right now. Um, he, you know, he's absolutely right that they're it's 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 unclear, you know, how accurate they are. But one thing that that we forget, especially those of us on the right, forgets, um, is that the polls weren't that wrong in 2016. Actually, they were you know they were off by a little bit in uh, in battleground states, but in, in the national popular vote polls they were pretty much spot on. The real issue was the narrative around the polls, particularly pushed by the media, that read polls that were actually closer than they thought they were and predicted that you know Hillary would would have a blowout win because no one could really imagine Trump winning. So you know the the numbers. The idea that we just can't trust polls at all now because of 2016, to me, doesn't seem incredibly – it it doesn't seem quite right because the polls weren't completely wrong in 2016, like I said. And you know, pollsters like Nate Silver – were pretty embarrassed by 2016, and they've you know obviously gone to work and tried to correct for some of their uh, their failures, and they might have overcorrected in Republican direction. So I, I guess you know the, the difference between the betting market and the polls, I'm not sure about. Either way, they show Biden with a pretty massive uh, lead on Trump. So that's something worth considering. But I also just don't – I'm not ready to completely discredit or throw the polls out the window yet, even if they're obviously not completely correct all of the time. Well, let me, let me go here then. Uh, <clears throat> the audience, they'll be home. They'll be watching these election results. Uh, Nate, let's start with you. What should they be looking for? In order for you to be right, what do they need to see? Like what you, if you're a Trump supporter, what would you be telling them that, hey, if you see this, the election's over, pack it up, you know, Biden's going to be the next president? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that is clearly going to be a big issue in this election is the traditionally Republican suburban vote. Uh, and that could be really key in states like Arizona, which Trump carried in 2016, but is looking really shaky in uh, for 2020. Um, you know, suburban voters, especially in these traditionally Republican suburban areas, most of them held their nose and voted for Trump in 2016, but they were the ones that flipped and turned away from Trump in 2018, um, which is why Democrats swept into power in the House. And by polling, they look uh, you know, like they're, they're probably going to do the same thing in 2020 in terms of voting Democrat. So in states like Arizona, which are traditionally Republican areas, 
but are really made up of a lot of those suburban Republican demographics that we're talking about. Those are the people that are moving into the Democratic Party, um, particularly suburban women, but suburban men actually too, by some polls. And that's going to be one of the key deciding factors uh, in 2020, because if Trump can't hold on to Arizona and he gets really uh, you know, uh, taken for a ride in uh, suburban areas outside of, say, Philadelphia, for example, who went for him in 2016, he's going to have some real issues uh, come, come election day. Hey, Jacob, let me let me start with that. Do you agree Arizona's looking uh, bad for Trump right now? Absolutely not. Uh, the demographics of Arizona are certainly in Trump's favor. A bunch of old people. Old people tend to vote Republican. I, I, I don't know what the pollsters are seeing that I'm not seeing at the moment, to be completely honest with you. Well, they are seeing some movement away from Trump in the older demographics. I mean, that's like an issue in Florida, particularly. And that really is one of the you know major stories, I think, of 2020. I was listening to Kirsten Soltis Anderson, who's a Republican pollster the other day. And she was saying the story of the 2020 election is the movement away from Republicans in recent months with the old demographic, um, you know, baby boomers, particularly who are traditionally very Republican, but are seeing we're seeing Democratic leaning movement from a lot of those folks in key swing states um, because of a perception of Trump's mishandling of the coronavirus. You know, I think that's actually true, Nate, and I'm glad you point that out. Um, and in, in addition to that, I mean, there's actually fewer baby boomers and fewer old people because we face it. I mean, four years, a few of them died. And also you have a whole bunch of people moving from California to Arizona. A whole bunch of my friends from California actually just moved to Arizona. And they're all Biden supporters. I have to be mm. completely true about that, 100%. But one thing that I also think is undercounted is how much more of the Hispanic population Trump is going to be getting in this election. Yes. I think a substantial amount of them are actually moving towards him. A bunch of my friends were complaining that... A bunch of their um, Mexican and Hispanic relatives have Trump signs in their yards, and she was blasting on Facebook all about it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is quite a development. But the more I talk to um, uh, Hispanic Americans, it seems to be a movement. It seems to be a thing that's happening. So we have shifting demographics, of course, but we also have shifting um, preferences among all the demographics. I also think Trump's going to be winning a much higher percentage of the black vote than Republican mm -hmm. has, including himself in a very long time. No, I agree with that. And I'm, you know, also as a, a traditional Republican, I'm really happy to see Hispanic and black movement into the Republican Party. Um, and one of the big stories the last couple of years is the movement of Hispanics, especially working class Hispanic men away from the Democrats into the Republican Party. The question mm -hmm. is, of course, how much that's going to happen, you know, in 2020. Is it going to be enough to put Trump over the top? Again, I think the polls uh, show that to be unlikely, but you're certainly right that that's a factor. And if Trump wins, it will certainly be because of, in particular, the Hispanic vote. Hey guys, let me ask you, uh, we have about two minutes left. Uh, let me ask you, let me, Jacob, let's start with you. The thing that we're going to look back on the 2020 election and say, that's what caused Donald Trump to win. In your mind, what is that? What is the event or the the segment? Is, is it the black vote that Trump's going to get? Is it the Hispanic vote? Is it the coronavirus? What is it, in your opinion, that we look back and say, that's why Donald Trump won the election? I think it is going to be how the Democrats weaponized Black Lives Matter after George Floyd died. Uh, you know, I saw, you know, we all saw the video. It was absolutely deplorable what happened to George Floyd, and there should have been a reaction. But Minnesota, you know, and Minneapolis in particular is a very liberal city. And in police reform circles, people actually looked at Minneapolis before George Floyd as a beacon for other cities to replicate. 
And after George Floyd died, they burned it to the ground. And it was actually the draconian police states that, um, let's face it, actually were safe. Those are the ones that uh, remain safe during all this. And I think that that's actually really um, is the foundation of why I think Trump's going to win. You have to look at Minnesota. You have to look at uh, Kenosha with Wisconsin. It's... (sighs) I, I think that many people saw themselves trying to be accepting and trying to um, give the left a little bit of wiggle room on how they would deal with them. And then they saw their cities burned to the ground. And I think that is going to be why Trump wins, because of the, re- the, the reaction to um, a lack of law and order in hey, Democrat-ran areas. Nate, we have about 30 seconds. Uh- why? What are we going to be talking about in 30 days, 60 days? Why Joe Biden won the election? You know, the obvious answer is just the coronavirus. Right. Um, and, you know, what Jacob is talking about, I think, is obviously a factor. But if you look at what voters care about, law and order as an issue is usually fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, way behind coronavirus, which is, you know, the, the first order issue. I actually think the president is sometimes unfairly blamed for some things that he couldn't have really done anything about in the context of the coronavirus, but voters hold him accountable for it, and that's going to be a huge issue. Hey, Nate Jacob, I got to tell you, I love the analysis, love the back and forth. After the election, I'd love to have you both back on. And the guy who was right can just mercilessly mock the guy who was wrong. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Okay, thanks, guys. We'll have you back. This is the uh, Moving Forward with Young Voices. We'll be back right after this break. 